I'm just going with the flow. So you're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. All right. Well, hey, greetings, everyone. Uh, I believe this is episode ten of the Three Wise Truck Guys. This is Keith Ely again. We're uh, talking to you from Lawrence, Kansas. We're not in the bunker anymore. And Mark Martinsik is with us. Mark, I don't know if you're in a bunker again or not in Alabama. Now we're open for business uh, with masks. And about uh, a third of the people listen to that and come out with masks. <laughs> but we're doing fine in Birmingham, Alabama. Well done, I know, y'all. I know you bought a new boat. Yeah, I... Uh, Buying it was easy. Uh, the logistics of moving it uh, across state lines and uh, 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 transporting it and uh, stepping the mast and rigging it has been quite the challenge for an old fart like me. So, Mark, you know, uh, Carnegie said buying a boat is the second happiest day of your life. Uh, but you're, right. a, you're an old boater, so you're, uh, that's you, right. you know what you've got yourself into here. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. They say the two happiest days in a motor's life are the day he buys it and the day he sells it. So, uh, uh, but this is happy, about the second happiest is the day he buys it, and the happiest is the day he, the day sells, he sells it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another metaphor is you know, a boat is nothing but a hole in the water you throw money into. There so. you go. But Keith pays me so well that uh, oh. that's all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll be gonna. I'm gonna look at that later today so uh, uh, I do know that that wasn't by choice that you bought the boat it was out of no. it is out of that you got one destroyed though from the yeah we had a storm fence. come through and a tree came down and out of the uh, couple hundred boats at the total so that tells a little bit about my luck there you go there you go there you go and our otherwise truck guy John Whitnell I don't know again John if you're hunkered down wearing a mask uh, in uh, Texas now or not. So welcome yeah, again, though, John. Texas has got some challenges. We're heading the wrong way on all the charts. But uh, everything is good at the Whitnell House and uh, happy to be here again today, Keith. Yeah, hey, John, before you uh, before we get into some of our best and worst and we talk about our subject for the day, I do know that you just published yesterday, I believe, your June uh, used truck market analysis. You want to yes, give sir. us a little, a little, a little background on, on what you what you are seeing now in the used truck market. Well, uh, you know, Keith, in these challenging times, our forecast and the, what we published yesterday really is is counterintuitive. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that are, uh, are really kind of pessimistic about the state of the whole goods business right now. But our sense is uh, with OEMs closing production down, the supply of, uh, of used trucks into the marketplace has been, uh, has been uh, cut off uh, precipitously. So supply way down. Demand, as we've gone through this COVID crisis, very stable. Retail prices have flattened out. Um, inventory levels declining rapidly. Keith, the stage is set for a... Uh, uh, stabilization and a, and a very uh, profound recovery in the fourth quarter. So we're, we're excited. Prices should be flat in the third quarter and they'll start to rise uh, significantly in the fourth quarter. The, the used truck market is poised for a recovery. That's exciting news. Um, yeah, it's very exciting if you uh, deal with fixed, op- fixed operations because we're not selling a lot of new. We need more trucks in our AOR. 
stay busy. So that's great news. Yeah. You know, Mark, I, and speaking of fixed ops, Amber publishes those uh, um, market volume indicators every week. I don't know if you looked at them for this last week. We actually saw a, a, a small decline in, in, in repair orders that were opened last week. You got any sense what might have might be happening on the on the service side? Well, I think I think. Uh... You know, we got down on the service side about 25% uh, in volume, and uh, that, that's average. Some stores, not so much. Some stores, more than that. And we can talk about that a little bit if you want. In fact, I'm going to on my best best and worst, okay? Uh, and it came back up close to where we were at the beginning of the year, and then it's been roller coasting. And pretty much of all the dealers I talk to every week, uh, that's, that's the big challenge right now is that it's not uh, steady. They get yeah. a day for the right uh, 10 or 12 in the morning and they'll uh, uh, get days where nobody shows up in the morning. The yeah. dealers, I will tell you, the dealers doing the best are the ones reaching out to the customers proactively. Not so much, in fact, when we get into best and worst, we'll talk about that, but not about offering discounts, but about what we're doing as as a dealership to keep you safe and your employees safe and expedite your truck uh, in and out of the shop right now while we have time and uh, how we're keeping our employees safe as well. Just yeah. caring, showing genuine concern for their situation. You know, I think I, I uh, talked to Amber about what she thought was going on and she said uh, that, that she believes certainly there was a, a decline last week and reading the I think it was Wall Street Journal this morning, they indicated that the last two weeks of economic activity have softened a little bit. Maybe they've not dropped, they just haven't continued that that V shaped recovery. And I think they're they're tracing a lot of that to the you know, to an increase in, in uh, cases. The other things that Amber said though, which I thought was interesting was all this data is very there's no there's no straight line on it. There's a lot of there's peaks and valleys and uh, they're within certain ranges. Yeah, it's very choppy. And she said that one of the things that she believes is going on too is just because there's peaks and valleys in terms of demand, there's also peaks and valleys in terms of capacity, the number of people that are actually working. And so how they're trying to plan for this and work through uh, the number of people that they have that can, can produce work is still a challenge for uh for a lot of these, a lot of these stores, and so it's, you know, there's there's both a supply of capacity and a demand, uh, a demand to to fill that capacity. That's probably playing into both these. I think that's we're right. starting to, you know, I think we're starting to see a leveling, though. It looks like that this is leveling off at somewhat around a 10% reduction around where we were before this crisis hit. Yeah, I, I agree, except for the, uh, except for the, in service, except for the sales per ticket, it's still yeah. lower yeah. Uh, by about 25 or 30%, okay? But uh, uh, but the, the, if the trucks haven't been used as much, that makes sense, okay? Right. So uh, hopefully that'll come back. I'm sure that'll come back as well. Uh, the uh, parts is back pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, their their dollars per invoice are still a little bit down, but the volume is back pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, it, it based on uh, based on my discussions with with some of our parts customers and even some of our just general customers. I was talking to one of one of our large groups, uh, the CEO. I think it was a week ago today, 
and they've got 30 or so locations and their take on on parts volumes was that they're down now somewhere around somewhere around eight percent on on dollar volumes and another group of i think they're around 32 stores they're seeing it seeing it around eight percent on average but they've got stores that are anywhere from deep in the heart of the oil patch to uh major metro areas with you know with with lots of lots of over the road traffic so you know we're it's just seeing different the, the regionality of this is still profound it's still really really profound yeah it, it is and when you dig into the data the last time i talked to amber about it when you really dig into the data obviously what we're publishing is averages of where the industry is right uh, as we as we as we should okay but there are dealers that are much closer to the top end and dealers that are much lower than the bottom end right and trying to figure out what those differences it does play into capacity in the shop whether or not they've laid off technicians or, or whether they're they've kept them on staff to hold them and kept them employed and so forth do they have the capacity when the work comes uh as well as their communication with the customer are they letting it uh, manage them, or are they trying to manage the situation, right. whatever region of the country they're in? Right, right. You know, I, and I think I think that's an interesting comment, Mark. We'll, we're going to talk about uh, market development here later on with our with our guest, but uh, I know one of the comments that he's going to make is that the approach to developing the market today is a lot different than it was even. Well, I guess we're going on almost four months now, but. Uh, three and a half months, but you know that, and, and probably the way that we're developing the market today is probably the way we should have done it four months ago. We just, in our mind, thought we had plenty of plenty of business. And, and uh, um, I, I think it's the same way that we're seeing on capacity utilization. Hopefully people are taking a different look at how they manage capacity, how they're managing parts inventory. I know we're getting challenged on that from some from large groups right now that are saying, does my vendor manage inventory really fit what I am needing now from a parts inventory management tool? And how do I, you know, how do how do I how do I use that tool but not rely on it 100%? Engage my my team back into it. So I think there's a lot of thought process even, going on right now. Yeah, even more than that. Okay, rather than what I need now, what am I going to need in 60 days or 90 yeah. days? And and what's the economy going to do between now and then? So. Yeah. It's a tough situation. Again, I think the dealers that will be most successful are the ones that are being proactive and all yeah. that. John, what's what's the retail volume like on the on used trucks right now? You know, Keith, we had sort of, so, you know, there's no real great measure on that, if you will, but we have developed an index of our 15 largest customers so that we can do year-over-year sales comparisons. And uh, March, April, both look like they were down about 10%. So to Mark's point earlier, it's, it, it, it hadn't fallen off the end of the table. People were still buying trucks, but it, clearly it had softened a little bit. What we saw in May was May was actually better than the year before. And if you looked at the three months in total, um, year-over-year demand in the used truck business is still very closely aligned with historical demand. So uh, on, on, the, on the used truck side of the business, there are people out there buying used trucks. I think on the new truck side, it has certainly softened far more right. than that. Right. Yeah. So right. the used truck business, uh, so far, so good uh, through the first three months of this pandemic and the, and the early, you know, we haven't seen any June sales data yet. We, we will 
here shortly. Uh, but so far, uh, the reports that we've gotten and some of the work that we're doing with some of our other clients, June looks like it could be a pretty strong month in the used truck business. So uh, we're a little better than the parts and service side of the business. Yeah, you know, I, I, I going back to the same dealer, our uh, CEO and his used truck manager I was talking to last week, May was a record month for them, and they believe June's going to be even bigger. So it's, it's very interesting. It's yeah, very how about that? Hey, so, Mark, you got any best and worst from the last time you and I talked? Yeah, you know, uh, my, my best is I was talking to the dealer uh, actually earlier this week, okay, and he has really worked hard. You know, we run these peer groups, so we see a lot of data from the dealers that are in these uh, uh, service department group and peer groups, and uh, his numbers are just uh, off the chart, okay, in the last three months. Uh, and, and it's... And his time is being well spent on honing his processes, looking at, even though demand comes nowhere near his capacity, rather than sitting back and just doing these jobs fast, he's looking at how can I expedite jobs through the shop? How can I create flow if I had three times as much business and so forth? Uh, so it it really is he's being proactive to my point earlier in trying to take this time when we have time we're not in the whirlwind that we typically are and get uh get everyone in my team everyone in his team involved to where they have operational awareness of what the goals really are and specific role descriptions and daily duties of the part they play for those roles and it's really showing up uh even with uh, even with this pandemic on the opposite side, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to a dealer that uh, is is uh, uh, really uh, letting it manage him, okay? And specifically around his OE program for dwell time, they all have different names for him and so forth. Uh, but he adapted to the program for his OE, but he didn't take the time to really uh, build the structure to allow operational efficiency by his employees. So we had a long conversation about that and I was able to help him and direct them as to what to do. Things like uh, uh, having, reducing the number of clicks, reducing the number of repetitive times you have to type something and so forth. And uh, uh, structure, before I ask my employees to change, I want to structure it to make them as efficient as possible. And that's where he was, he was lacking. He was committed to the OE program, but his people not necessarily, and they all viewed it as double or triple work. So, uh, so we're trying to turn that around for him right now. You know, my my best and worst. I'm gonna I'm gonna look inside of our company right now, and so our, our worst, I would say, for key advisor. No, <laughs> talking about me. It's, we're gonna talk about Kent since Kent's not on here, so. <laughs> Uh, worst, the, the worst was that for quite a long time, um, and this is just a personal reflection for me, is that I was not making the, the phone calls I needed to make, the emails I needed to make, the, the communication I needed to make directly to customers to ask, uh, what can we do for you? How is your business? What can we do for you? And uh, I think part of that was, was a state of maybe a state of shock still, uh, some complacency, some 
them thinking that that people didn't want to buy. What's been interesting is that as a team, we've engaged probably since mid-April, I would say, on trying to change our business model and who we are. And we know knowing that we have to, to deliver more things virtually to uh, to the to the market and also things that have impact. And you know, we we uh, we've not got the final look at what June is going to look like, but. You know, we, we did a couple of things, started marketing and, and direct communications with customers about what can we do to help them and, and address needs. And the responses we got weren't that we don't want to buy. It was, these are specific things that you can help us with. Everything from the uh, uh, proceed service manager class that we're doing um, in combination with proceed. In, in July to a, a, a parts uh, inventory operations online or virtual class that's centered around CDK uh, to some DMS utilization to uh, accounting setup and structure to uh, parts inventory health and, and all those things, things that three months ago we didn't have in our pipeline. We didn't, we didn't think we could deliver that. And uh, We've been really successful on building new product based upon what the market is saying that we need. And we've we've talked to the market and, and we certainly need to talk to the market more. We're far from perfect on it. We've on a on a road on a journey of a mile, we've maybe maybe made it a hundred yards to uh, to understanding what the market wants. But I think all of us have really started to ask questions of of customers and of of our partners as to what what can we bring to the market that is needed. And I know our guest is going to talk and bring more thought into that. And some of this that we've done, a lot of this has been, you know, based on, on some of his some of his comments about what he's what he's doing with uh, with commercial customers and we're trying to emulate a little bit of that for ourselves. So that's some best and worst from from key advisors internally. John, I'm gonna flip it to you to finish that up. The, best and worst. So, uh, you know, Keith, one of the things that's really impressed me this month is there were certain uh, certain clients and certain dealers that were really aggressive in what I'm going to call HR phase one, which is, you know, the pandemic was coming, they knew their business was going to change. And so they really did a good job of right sizing their organization, figuring out what the critical things were and where they could perhaps uh, could do without so many headcount. What I'm seeing right now is that some really strong, aggressive dealers have moved into phase two of HR planning, which is to say there's going to be talent out there on the street. It might be talent that when we look at it on the surface, we don't need. But what if another service manager falls in our lap and, and, and is available and, and we don't necessarily need one right now? How are we going to how are we going to absorb that resource and take it? Because we will we will need that resource sooner or later. So I'm seeing some really forward thinking uh, uh, going on right now relative to talent and talent acquisition, talent management, and maybe even talent where you don't think you need the talent. And that's uh, that's pretty impressive uh, to me to see people looking that far up the road in the midst of a of a pandemic like we're in right now. Uh, 
you know, Keith, and then on the other side, uh, I won't say the worst, okay? This is uh, more of a cautionary tale. This is the first time I've seen this in the commercial vehicle distribution uh, business, but uh, became aware of a, a dealer this week who was uh, subject to malware and uh, their email system was countermanded. Uh, several articles, uh, one of them in the Wall Street Journal here recently about, uh, you know, how this is becoming more and more of an issue. And, uh, and lo and behold, it's, uh, it's happened right here in the, in the truck sales business. So uh, kind of a cautionary tale for all of our clients that are out there and all of our listeners that are out there is this is, uh, this is real. This is caused in the midst of the disruption associated with the pandemic. You can only imagine how much more dysfunction and disruption this has created in this guy's business. So, uh, so be alert for that. If you're a dealer principal, you need to be getting with your IT guy and you need to be saying, you know, is this base covered? Have we got this? Have we got this uh, exposure uh, in check so that uh, we don't have to worry about losing all of our email and uh, and having our email system froze up? Did they get it solved? Uh, the the solution is still being resolved. Okay, they were never uh, so. You know, you're in a very vulnerable position trying to negotiate uh, under circumstances of blackmail, if you will. So. You know, you can't negotiate with these guys. Right. You have to, you have to, you have to go a different direction. And uh, this particular dealer says probably two thirds, three quarters of the way through it. This, you know, the, the the most disruption is behind them. They've got a new solution and a different approach to to servers and how they're going to do email going forward. It's not completely behind them though. This is and this has been ongoing for the better part of three four weeks. So it's extraordinarily disruptive. And this is just one of those cases where an ounce of prevention is such a good idea uh, as a dealer principal you need to be asking what are we doing and could this happen to us and how would we respond and how are we going to prevent it from happening to us uh, just uh, just a word of caution uh, before this becomes too pervasive in our business you know john we uh, we we jump on a phone call conference call with a dealer group uh once every two weeks with a parts and service manager so two of those um, every two weeks, and uh, they do a, for lack of better terms, a safety message when we start that discussion. And I can't tell you how many months in a row part of the safety message is make sure you know what you're opening up on your email. Yeah. Interesting. Well, hey, it's pretty sophisticated, right? Yeah. The adversaries, and uh, you know, you need to make sure that you've got the best, most capable business uh, partners that you can rely on, with the most experience in dealing with these things. Again, an ounce of prevention. You don't want these guys to get their nose under the tent. You got to keep these guys at bay, and you, you just, as the dealer principal and the leader of this organization, this is one of the exposures that can really cause dysfunction in your business, and you need to make sure that you've got this one in check. Yep. Hey, that was uh, that was great stuff. That's uh, we that was sure new stuff too, um, new stuff for, for that we brought to the table here. So, thanks for sharing. Hey, we do have a guest with us today, and uh, we'll introduce him here in a in a minute or so. But you know, we we spend a lot of our time on the podcast, and really, I think the podcast is a reflection of the type of work we do. And and so we've spent a lot of time talking about operational items like throughput and parts inventory, and certainly use truck inventory management and uh, uh, organizational structure accounting 
I'll call it accounting flows and setup and uh, DMS utilization and, and things that are really operational. And we are, not only are we good at it, we're the best there is. I'll just, I'll lay that hands down. We are just outstanding at what we do. Our customers love what we do. We deliver great results for them. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I had a call earlier this week. Mark, I don't know if I told you about it. John, I know I did tell you about it. It came from a, a really large international bank. And they wanted, I don't know how they got our name, but they had been seeing those uh, weekly volume statistics. And they wanted to talk about what's happening in the commercial truck business. And this guy's job was he was he was an equity analyst and, you know, investing retirement funds and, and pension funds and things like that. And he was tasked with understanding the commercial business. And uh, he said that people had told him if they wanted to understand what's happening in the commercial dealership business, commercial truck business, he should contact key advisors. Now, he probably is a little misguided there, but, uh, uh, that's but who uh, I tell him, you know, that's who I tell him to go call. <laughs> that's who I would tell him to call too. Absolutely. But, but I, I, you know, I think it's interesting that we're, you know, operationally, we really are good at what we do. The one thing we've never done and never entered into, I guess, and, and probably, probably don't have the skill set to do it. At least I know I don't is what I call market development. Um, you know, we talk about what products to target on a, in a parts department or services to sell on the service side or trucks to stock for used trucks based upon what the market says. But we don't really work with people on on how to go out and talk to a customer and how to develop markets and, and uh, for new products and how do we develop uh, new customers and those types of things. And so, you know, I know the selling dynamics have changed since... February 29th, March 13th, whenever you want to target this. And I think there's been some shyness to have those conversations with people. Like we said earlier, I certainly have had them with their own customers and, and uh, I'm starting to understand that, you know, the, the conversations a little more. But we've got a gentleman now that uh, we'll, we'll introduce and, and he has got a huge amount of expertise in, in market development and, and in the commercial business not on the retail car side or on uh, selling shoes, but on the commercial business side, commercial dealership side. And so, and I know that I've, John, you you certainly know Gary very well. And I've got the chance to get to know Gary over the last year or so and listen to what his thoughts are about how do we build market and how do we build, uh, develop market um, in this time. So uh, Gary, uh, I assume you're with us still. Sure am. Hey, Gary. So this is Gary Weisbaum. Gary, welcome to the Three Wise Truck Guys. Sorry to that you have to associate yourselves with uh, the three of us, but uh, we appreciate you coming on today. You want to give us a little background of, first of all, who Gary Weisbaum is and why we're talking to you in the first place, and then uh, then then we'll start talking a little bit about what you see in terms of market development in this. Uh, in this uh, new time period, as John talked to you about HR phase one, HR phase two, I'm sure there's market development phase one, phase two, phase whatever as, as we keep moving through this. So Gary, welcome and uh, let us know a little bit about Gary Weisbaum. 
Well, first of all, thank you. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Been certainly enjoying it. Uh, did not know at the first of the year when uh, we really got started that, uh, what, five, six weeks later, the uh, entire world was going to change as it related to what was going on in the uh, in the industrial dealer business. But uh, it has been interesting. Um, real quick, um, even though I'm an old guy and I could talk about this for a long time, um, I have spent most of my career in the two-tier distribution, two-tier or more distribution channel space, working with industrial dealers and trucking and construction and, um, and lift equipment and uh, forklifts and things like that, and working with manufacturers and helping their dealers um, respond better to promotions that, that manufacturers were putting out. And, and ultimately, you know, buying more and selling more. But, but at the end of the day, the, the evolution for me was that no matter what a manufacturer wanted to put out, really understanding what was going on at the local dealer level and what their issues were, was gonna make or break the success of any promotion. And I've spent the bulk of my time the last 20 years working with individual dealers or individual groups of dealers in a number of different industries, helping them evaluate their local markets, not only from an opportunity standpoint, but what they're doing, how they're addressing it, and how best to, um, to capitalize on that. And with COVID-19, it's pretty much, um, for those of you that are old enough to, to know what an Etch-a-Sketch is, um, pretty much wiped the slate clean and required people coming up with a, a whole new plan to be able to deal with what was happening in the marketplace. So Gary, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit then about what uh, what some of the conversations you've been having with you know, your, your contacts and not just in the commercial truck side, but uh, um, also in the industrial space as a whole. You know, it's interesting because if, if you talk to um, dealer principals or general managers or people that are running the businesses, um, you know, they look at their responsibility in terms of giving their managers um, not a new set of marching orders, but explaining to them that things are different and that, um, that they need to look at their existing customers differently and then certainly look at getting um, conquest or you know new business. Uh, so you know, you've got to worry about retaining your customers, but you need to retain your customers differently. And I can elaborate a little bit more on that as we go on. But certainly it's an opportunity for conquesting new business because if you're a dealer that does it right, it's a good opportunity to take business away from a dealer who may have been doing it okay before the pandemic, but isn't doing so well right now, and customers are feeling less than loved while those underperforming dealers aren't doing as well as they should be. So there's a huge conquest opportunity there. But when you talk to the managers, whether it's a parts manager or a service manager, a lot of the ones we talk to are struggling with, how do I do this? 
Yeah. I've been managing things for 10 years one way. And I've had a couple of outside guys and they've required, you know, they know what they're doing and, and I really haven't had to worry about what they're doing. My inside people are customer service people. They are answering the phone and taking orders. But now I need everybody to be doing something different. And everybody needs to be, or as many people as possible, need to be selling or passing on information about opportunities to try and get them to buy. And doing it under very different conditions. And a lot of those managers are feeling um, that they are lacking the skill set and the metrics to, to look at performance to be able to get those people to change. And that's where I'm finding most of my conversations of late, and the people that I'm working with and helping the most right now are a lot of parts and service managers and some whole goods managers, sales managers as well, who have been doing things one way for so long, kind of wipe the slate clean, put on a new set of glasses and look at what they need to do differently. So it's probably Gary, most of my time right now. Gary, specifically, okay, what are the things customers want that are different? Okay, you said talking to a lot of fixed operations managers. What kind of changes are you seeing that have been successful? So the, the customer dynamic is, uh, it's, it's interesting because you've got companies that are doing unbelievably well right now. Those that are in supply chain, those that are in hospital products, those that are in certain areas. And mind you, I'm looking at this from a local market perspective. I'm not looking at a large national carrier and how they may be moving things into a particular area. I'm looking at what's going on within a specific dealer's AOR. And you've got groups of customers that are really busy, really active. And those customers are having problems daily and are looking for their dealers, either their existing dealers that are continuing to perform well or if they aren't, possibly uh, new dealers that can support them, that if I need something 20 minutes ago, I'm getting it from my dealer 20 minutes ago. And if I need a truck serviced or some mobile maintenance vehicle out to check something, th there isn't a, maybe I can get to you tomorrow, or maybe I can do this. It's, I am going to support you right now because these people are blowing and going in this environment. Other customers, restaurant supply, um, you know, the automobile dealer business, things are very quiet right now, uh, quieter than they've been. And those customers, while many of them might have been big customers of those dealers in January, are not demanding much right now. So that's where we kind of talk about wiping this, you know, looking at the, the customer list differently. But customer needs, the place where we're noticing it the most, Mark, is really in those that need it now, really need it now. And the dealers that we're working with that are best equipped to turn on a dime, they're getting new opportunities. 
so what I was talking about earlier, as far as uh, honing your process as to be more efficient, uh, to create flow, okay, communicate better with customers. I'm, I'm telling them the right things or, or is there more to that story? Oh, I think all of those elements are, are absolutely there. I think, Mark, where there's a little bit more to the story is, is that um, they, they may be getting tested. They may, they may bring it on themselves or an opportunity where a, deal, a customer can't get something, um, may pick up the phone and call them. But now it, there can't, there needs to be this, um, what's the right word? There, there needs to be this, this dynamic that says, if somebody calls or somebody walks in and they need something, no matter what, we need to be able to supply it because this could be the best way for us to garner more business going forward right now. And um, so I would say that all of those things you mentioned, plus kind of a rapid deployment mentality. And I will tell you, in a lot of the conversations that I've had of late, it's hard to have a conversation with a group of people that aren't doing as well as they've been worried about how they're going to get more business, but also need to have a rapid deployment dynamic in place. They kind of don't work together. Yeah, what, what do you mean by, what do you mean by that, Gary? I'm, I, I think I understand it, but you, can you elaborate maybe a little bit more? So, so you talked through at the beginning of this about part sales, for example, being down on average, what, eight to 10%. Um, the phones aren't ringing as much as they were. The um, inside salespeople and outside salespeople are charged with making phone calls. Um, many of them aren't trained to do that. Many people don't even like to sell, which is another huge dynamic that we're getting into about expectations of staff sell that really aren't capable of doing it or don't know what to do. But so you have this, um, you know, all is not uh, safe with the world right now, like it's been mentality going on. Right. And we're working hard. I'm not suggesting for a minute that any of our dealers in any, in any of the industries that we're talking to aren't motivated to try and do as best they can to, to, to help their dealerships and to keep their jobs and all of those other things. But bottom line is, is that I think everybody knows that business isn't the same, but at the same time, they have to be prepared that if somebody calls a new customer or another customer that hasn't talked to them in a little while, that's in one of these faster moving areas and needs something immediately, the best opportunity to retain a customer, to get a new customer, is going to be to be able, and I use rapid deployment kind of as, as the best way to describe it because whatever resources need to be pulled together in order to get that customer's need met up to and including overnighting in a part or go finding it from another location and getting in a car and driving it to them. I mean, I could go on and on and on all the parameters that we've talked about, but getting that customer that customers need addressed immediately 
is a little harder to do when you're not starting from your most motivated posture. Okay. Hey, Gary. Uh, so bring this uh, bring this to life for me. Um, have you got an example of uh, somebody that's uh, that you could kind of speak to? Uh, how did they migrate from a conventional answer the phone mentality to uh, to a rapid deployment mentality? And what were the major hurdles? I mean, what kind of systems was, was it compensation? Was it uh, was it was it system process stuff? What what were the major hurdles that they had to kind of get over in, in, in their transformation from a traditional answer the phone mindset to a rapid deployment mindset? So that's a phenomenal question, and, and I'll do my best to answer it briefly because it, there's a lot of pieces and parts of it, um, as you can imagine, but. The one, the, there's a specific dealer in the Southeast that's in the construction arena that, that the construction and lift equipment arena that we work with. And they, um, this dealer principal pulled his managers in and really um, after a couple of conversations that he and I had, it kind of set the, reset the goals of their operation. That it, it was no longer going to be um, primarily dealing with inbound calls or, you know, being answering the phone or, or being at the counter. It was going to be a, a complete um, reach out, uh, making phone calls, sending emails, putting offers in front of people. And the additional dynamic is, is that not every customer today is letting outside salespeople on the property. So what do you do now as an outside salesperson that can't go visit customers and make the round, so to speak, the way you used to? So challenge the managers with that, had me meet with each of the managers to get an understanding of what their capabilities were in terms of being able to lead this charge. And we spent some time talking about their skill sets, what they were good at, what they weren't so good at. One of them was really good in training on the part side at this particular dealer, but he wasn't so he wasn't that comfortable even selling himself. So we worked with him on building a model of what he needed to do, how he needed to get his salespeople in place, giving them scripts of what specifically to say about the dealership. Not everybody knows all of the pieces and parts to communicate. So in this case, we actually built that script for them, what they should say based on who they were calling. If it was, we actually looked at their list of customers, their existing customers that were really in what we considered our blowing and going space. We gave them one script, those that were in industries that weren't as busy right now, we gave them a different script and for conquest customers, we gave them a third script. And we gave, we, we, we actually put different people in each of those missions to see who was able to do the best. And does do the best mean sell something every time? No. Sometimes do the best means just be able to get somebody on the phone or just be able to get somebody's email address to be able to send them an email if it's someone you haven't had a contact with before. So, and we recorded every single person's engagement. If it was bad, noted why it was bad. If it was good or next steps, 
It was a very comprehensive reporting that we put in place. And then we would evaluate it on a every three days basis. So we would evaluate it on a Wednesday night and we would evaluate it well, kind of on a Monday morning, what happened on Thursday and Friday. And we would look at it and we would take the things that we were doing well and we would push those further into the following week. And we would take the things that didn't go so well. If we thought they were good things, they didn't go well because of the people that were on it, we gave them to different people to try it again because sometimes a good idea is still a good idea just to be executed by other people. Um, if we found that it wasn't, we got rid of it and put some other ideas in place. And we kept moving different criteria and different communication strategies and tactics until we found, actually we never found utopia. We constantly use different ones based on the needs. And just, and the other act activity is, is that this is not a constant dynamic in the marketplace. You've got places in the, around the country that are starting to open up restaurant supply, which was dormant, for example, here in Chicago, because everything was closed. Now all the restaurants are opening up. So companies like Sexton and other wholesale produce suppliers and things like that are getting busy again. We watched what was happening in the marketplace. We made a list of those companies that were getting busier based on what was happening in their local market. And then we started contacting them, whether they were our existing customers or not. So, so, uh, so Gary, if I could, then to kind of recap, you know, number one, you implement a new strategy, you define the strategy, we're going to be outbound customer focused, and you look at all the resources that you've got in order to try and make that happen. Number two, you analyze those uh, internal resources and you figure out who's going to have the best likelihood of success in an outbound reaching out to customers. Step three, you customize the message to make sure that they're going to have the best chance of getting through and having a, engaging in a dialogue. Step four, measure, measure, measure. And step five, adjust, adjust, adjust. Does that sound about Could what you have said it any better if I was saying it myself? You know, that's right. exactly right. That's uh, that's good. Good input. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate that. Hey, Gary, did when you were doing this, uh, you know, you let's. What type of pushback did you get from from the the outside part salespeople or the counter people or or a, a, a parts manager or a general manager? What 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 was the pushback and uh, was it, you know, was it this won't work or was it, you know, what, I just don't feel comfortable doing it or, and then what, how do you, how do you overcome that pushback? You know, I, um, I've been, I've been dealing with, with people for a long time. Um, and, and I, I always start out these kind of conversations with, a few basic elements. I mean, you're not doing anything wrong. You've been successful in doing what you're doing, but we're at a moment in time where things are different and that the things that you've been doing successfully for the last decade um, aren't necessarily going to be the things that are going to get you through this moment in time. And if business gets back to normal, the things that we, you know, whatever the new normal is, in many cases, um, the things that we're going to ask you to do and try and teach you and, and additional management criteria we're going to give you now, you may not need later or it might add to your portfolio of skill sets. But we, we, we always start this off with 
um, nobody's doing anything wrong. Right. Other than what we're dealing with today and we'll be dealing with for the foreseeable future, or for, let's, let's say the, I don't, know, I don't know what's in between the near future and the long term future, <laughs> but whatever that would be. Uh, we're going to be dealing with this for a while. And, um, and I, at the same time, though, I think there's a lot of things that we're learning, we're seeing that may never change. I mean, okay. our outside sales people, for example, going to be able, you know, if you think about it, I was making sales calls with, with dealers, you know, in last year all the time, and we were going everywhere and just stopping in without appointments and right. visiting and, and whatever. Do I see that being the case going forward? And that do I think outside salespeople are going to be able to have the same access at any point in the future that they've had before this? No, I don't. I think companies are going to get used to a little different way that they're purchasing people or that their manager, you know, their own facility managers are dealing with the outside world. And um, so I don't, I, I, I didn't really get pushback once I explained to people that we, um, that I wasn't there to tell, that I'm not telling them that anything that they're doing is wrong. Okay. I'm really helping them understand that they're not in the same place they were in January. Okay. And most people understand that because they see what's happening in their businesses. Right. You know, I didn't have to push that very hard because just the fact that I could sit with these people for a period of time and the phone wasn't ringing off the hook or 25 service techs or, you know, parts counter guys weren't interrupting them every couple minutes proved that point right out of the gate. Right. Mark, you were going to say something? I was just going to tell Gary I uh, Googled that and it's intermediate future. Intermediate. <laughs> Appreciate that. I will. I will keep that. Intermediate. It's just, it, you know what? It's such a it's such a moving target. Uh, you know, we are changing tactics um, almost, at the, especially at the dealers that I'm working with on, a, on an integrated basis. Um, we are changing things every couple of days. Yeah. Because Gary, we find another industry that's that's ramping up in a market, and then, you know, and the hard part about this is is that this isn't a national initiative or a regional initiative. This is different for every single dealer that we you know that I'm working with or that we're working with in the sense of what's happening in their own local market is is unique. I mean, even if you were to look today at at Dallas and Houston. And with John's in Dallas, but I mean, the things that are happening in Houston relative to, to, to COVID and, and where the supply chain is being taxed and what's going on in the hospital supply business and in limited aspects of the food business trying to supply the, the healthcare workers and the people in the hospitals, that's different than what's happening in Dallas. And it's certainly different than what's happening here in Chicago and other places. So it really needs to be a, um, what we've tried to put in place is a, um, I have part of my team collecting information on a local market basis in real time about things that are happening. And then we help push that down to the dealer so that they can implement against it. Gary, don't you think that, help, but it's just easier for us to do it. Yeah. Gary, do you think a lot of these things um, 
may or may not become the new normal, but there's still, even if business came back, and I, I'm not sure any of us believe it will, the same way it was before without any changes from 2019, okay? But don't you think this is still another opportunity, this approach is still another opportunity to grow your business, regardless if business came back the other way or not? There's no question. There's no question. Most, yeah. most dealerships have had um, limited success. I mean, there's some exceptional ones, but most of them limited success in conquesting new business over the last decade because they've been so busy. So, um, and they haven't had to deal with it. Um, I think, and I'm hopeful that a new business development activity, which they learn and, and get good at out of this process is something that will stay with them, you know, forever. I, I'm not saying that, you know, if they get so busy when things get better, that it wouldn't be easy to lean back into the, just taking care of your current customers. But um, my, my sense is, is that, um, especially for those of us that never thought something like this pandemic could really happen in our lifetimes. My expectation is people aren't going to forget that this happened and that it could something like this for a number of reasons could happen again. So Gary, you know, one of the things that, that we'll hear, Mark, I'm sure you've heard this, John, I'm positive. You've heard dealers say this is, Hey, run a report from the who's who's, who is our historically largest customer to our historically smallest customer and everybody get on the phone and, and call 15 customers today. And, uh, Mark, you take the top 15, John, you take 16 through 30, Heidi, you take 31 through 45 and Keith, you got the last 15. And that's been their, their approach on making these on, on what I would call market development and customer communication. Um, you know, and, and in the past, and in the past, that was only when they got slow, right? Right. And those were smaller pockets of time than this uh, COVID thing. So, right. Uh, but it was reactionary, not proactive. Right. What's you know, and 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 if we want to be brutally honest with ourselves, those probably were not done with uh, all the heart and soul in it that needs to be done, and and probably a understanding of what why it's being done and and uh and the skill set to do it as well i mean mark you and john and heidi certainly can make those calls but i probably can't um gary how do you you know you, you tell somebody hey we want to build a market in today's COVID environment help you build and develop a market and their response is well you know what i've got everybody on the phone right now making these what i'll call top-down calls. We're calling our our biggest customers first, and uh, we're just working our way down through the list. That's their idea of doing this, and it may not be a wrong idea. It just may not be the most right idea. So I will tell you that just the fact that they're making calls, I'm, you certainly want to give them a few points for that because that's something that they probably haven't much of. But in all at least the dealers that I'm working with right now, on a, on a regular basis. We have thrown the top-down way of looking at a list out the window because someone who might have been your biggest customer a year ago, six months ago, 
who is in an industry that's doing is, is almost out of business, you know, from a functional standpoint today, that is not who you should be calling. We're reshuffling the way our clients are looking at their lists in terms of who are in the spaces that are extremely active today, who are moderately active, who are in areas that are coming back up, and those that are really, we still want to call them, but those that aren't doing as well. And the reason, I'll start this backwards. The, the reason you want to do um, know about the people that aren't doing as well is because you still want to call them and have some understanding and compassion of what they're going through, be able to maintain those relationships, but have some, some uh, empathy for what they're going through. However, on the other side, you want to be making phone calls and asking the right questions to those places that are doing well or better are, are coming back about what their needs are, what what needs aren't being met, what you you know what will they need a week from now, a month from now, and we're help and we're giving scripts and creating scripts for the salespeople and the whether it be inside or outside, so that they're not just winging this, that they're asking questions that can produce some actionable items. So that's how we're looking at this. Okay. Which is Gary, dramatically different than, than top down. It's, it's, yeah, it's hugely different. So, you know, I'm going to take this a step further. Again, going back to this, this historical idea of top down. Um, you talked about conquest customers and conquesting in this environment and it could be based upon that somebody is not fulfilling a you know the the need of a customer or may not may not meet a time requirement or whatever it is how does a how does a dealership that on february 29th imagine themselves to be extremely busy and and that and and I would say that for the most part, they're right. They were very busy. They had uh, really good sales volumes, um, you know, profitability. They were pretty strong in most cases. How does somebody that, you know, they, and again, they, they, we hear this idea of conquest accounts, but reality is, is that there's not ever a lot of attention paid to conquest accounts. How does a successful person uh, successful dealership go out and conquest accounts and identify those people to conquest. Well, it's it's a little different. Um, it's a little different everywhere, but and, and it's about as custom of a um, custom suit as you could imagine. But but I think the commonalities are that at least right now is that if you evaluate, if you look at your market, your local market critically, you, you drive by these companies every day that have a lot of trucks or competitive trucks that are busy that you're not calling on. Or you're, you've called on, but you're not, you've never been able to, to get in the door. And 
what we've been trying, not trying, what we've been doing is we've been putting those companies that are in the active category in a, in a, in a, in a group. And we are basically and very simply um, reaching out any way we can by phone, by email. Uh, we've, we've even snail mailed a few and basically said, and I'm paraphrasing that this is a difficult time. We know that your needs are, um, are intense based on your work activity. And if your current supplier or suppliers uh, are not meeting your needs, give us a call. I mean, we're not, we're not hard selling because I don't think this is the moment in time with what everybody's going through to be hard selling. And I've been talking to a lot of people about that is that you, you want to make um, acquaintances, you want to build relationships in these times and you want to do it by offering support. If they don't need you, they may not call you, but things are so fluid right now that it is possible that a current vendor will slip up, will not do something, will not be able to meet a need and you want to be top of mind in that customer's I know nobody uses Rolodexes anymore, but in, you know, in terms of their right in front of their Rolodex that my current vendor can't do this. I'm going to call this guy and see if he can, which goes back to my rapid deployment dynamic. Okay. So, so if, if I was to, to, uh, do a short recap, okay. It's new directional marketing to by, by, by qualifying the, the clients we're going to market to based on uh, the economic conditions in my AOR, okay, and it's, and it's uh, uh, being proactive, uh, building relationships, okay, uh, uh, asking more of a consultative sales approach, would you say, Gary, than, than hard sales, I think I heard you say. There is no hard, this, this is not the time for hard sales. This right. is really being there to help somebody when they need help. Yeah, well, I think this is really good stuff. I do too. Yeah. Hey Gary, I've got, I've got one more question for you. I know that you've got, that you could, we could talk for hours on this and I think you're doing a, a webinar, I think on the 8th, is that right Gary? The 8th, the 8th of July, yes. So if you'd like to, if people would like to sign up, Heidi, I'll let you tell everybody how to sign up here after a while, if you, if you can do that. But the, um, the question, Gary, I've got for you, and it's based upon a customer you and I have been working on. You made a comment about websites, and I found it very, very fascinating on what the websites are focused on. Would you mind just briefly touching on that? So, so this is another area that um, we're focusing on because, you know, over the course of the last, I don't know, 20, 15, 10, 15 years, you know, the industrial dealer websites have become a critical tool in, um, in their business marketing model or their business marketing dynamic. 
in 99.9% of the cases, the products that are featured, the language that is written into those websites that the search engines are picking up have much more to do with the whole goods than anything else. So to the razor, not the razor blades. Well, in almost all industrial product dynamics, the razor blades are way more important than the razors, but you have to sell the razor in order, well, that's not true today with all makes, but kind of over history, I mean, it's, you, you need to be able to sell the razor in order to have the, the razor blade business. So we've been talking to dealers about, this is the time when you need to push something other than your whole goods, your trucks, your bulldozers, your ag tractors, your lift equipment, something other than that to the front of your websites, not only with pictures, but with the right language so that those things can be, those services that you provide can be picked up easier, seen easier, because if you don't do that and whole goods sales are down, then your website for all intents and purposes is doing nothing for you right now. So hey, it needs to, websites and, and are, not, are not static. They need to be fluid. And in this moment in time, I'm not saying eliminate whole goods, but if whole goods were 95% today, why couldn't they be 60% today and you could put your parts and service capabilities and your mobile maintenance capabilities and other things in the other 40% front and center so that people can see them and, pos and possibly either engage them or at least know that they exist without having to click 10 different places on your website. And we are... I haven't found anybody yet when we have this conversation who's saying, wow, never thought about that. Let's look at that. And we've been making changes on a regular basis. Right. Keith, John? just to build on uh, Gary's point about the lack of creativity, too. You know, on the used truck business, probably two out of three, if not three out of four dealers have leveraged uh, uh, truck paper to design their used truck site. So if you're thinking about how to differentiate yourself or how to be different or, or you know, how to get uh, different meta tabs so that you can get to the front of the line, uh, you know, just a, an acute lack of, of creativity in all aspects of the business, but that's particularly true as it relates to the used truck side of the business where most people have just outsourced this to truck paper. Yeah. And there, and truck, great, John, great point, because truck paper is really one size fits all for everything. Right. And if you happen to have a, pa if you're a dealer that happened to have um, a package or a few trade-ins that really are something that is bringing, you know, that you know has a, a great opportunity to, to make you good money, why shouldn't that be sitting on your homepage front and center for somebody to be able to see and for the search engine to be able to access faster? So. I mean, it's a different, but again, these, these are all mindset and, and practical changes that have to be made based on the fact that we're not in the same business environment we're in today that we were in in February 4th. 
and John, to be clear, I don't think we're saying that the truck paper website is a bad idea, but it, uh, but that because uh, we know that that the volume that goes through that truck paper is, is immense. You've got to be seen, but uh, not just to not just to uh, rely solely on that. Well, you know, Keith, uh, only making a subtle point, and, and and certainly not trying to say anything is either good or bad. I think some of the functionality embedded into that is exactly what you need, but the. The point here is, um, you know, when you think about it being a new day and you think about trying to use your website as a driver of traffic and a, uh, as a fulcrum for delivering important honed marketing messages to your customers, ha having, ha having the truck paper functionality in there doesn't create that level of differentiation right. opportunity for customization. That's, that's right. the point. Right. And, and Keith, we've evaluated probably 30 websites in the last month, maybe even more. And, yeah. Um, in almost all cases. Now, mind you, most of this is in um, not in all industrial locations, but in a couple specific. Um, we have in all in almost I'm trying to think if there's an exception but in all of the cases, the the whole goods. Um, um, communication and, and exposure has dwarfed everything else that goes on in these dealerships. Right. And we have started to, um, some of them are doing it on their own, others have asked us to do it, um, started to, to make them look different and push some other things up in the front. Very good. Well, Gary, thank you for taking time. I know there's a lot, lot more we could unpack with this. And um, as I said, if, if, if you'd like to learn more about uh, market development. Um, Gary is having a webinar next Wednesday, July the 8th. Heidi, how would somebody sign up for that webinar if they'd like to join? Just go to keyadvisors.com and there will be a link there. Very good. Thank you, Heidi. So uh, I encourage you to do that. Um, also, if you'd like to sign up for the used truck, uh, for, for, for the updates on used truck, and I say sign up, it's a subscription, but man, it's, it's, it's a low entry point and there's a lot of good data that comes out of that, uh, that subscription. I'd sure encourage you to, to, to look at that. And finally, the volume indicators that are keyadvisors.com, they, they appear on the uh, front page of our website. Uh, those are updated every, every week and it's. 81 dealers in terms of repair order volumes and 79 in terms of uh, counter ticket counts. And again, I'd encourage you to look at those and, and understand what's happening in the market. So, um, Mark, John, anything before we close up for the day? Be careful you know, with the fireworks. Yeah. Look, uh, first off, I have to apologize here a little bit. COVID-19 got in inside my wireless network. I got thrown off the call here for a couple of minutes. <laughs> apologize about that. But, you know, the, the thing that makes uh, Gary's uh, skill sets that he brings to our business so unique is that most dealers haven't spent an awful lot of time. They may have hired a marketing administrator. They may have made some, uh, some first step efforts at trying to be a market-focused, customer-driven organization. But... But very few uh, dealers have spent time engage, actively engaged in trying to think about growth and how do we grow this business and how do we start taking share from 
from our competitors. And I, I really think that's what Gary brings to key advisors. And it's really an exciting set of capabilities to have in our tool bucket. But I agree. I agree, I agree with I that, agree. John. You know, I, I, uh, I think we all know that the, the pie that we have to uh, gather business from is fairly finite. It's not a hugely growing pie. And so if we grow our, grow our business, um, manage to say it, it's, it we're, we're taking from somebody else. There's not a lot of organic growth on this. So, um, Gary, thanks again for taking time out of your day to, to come spend time with the three wide three wise truck guys love talking about this thank you we appreciate it so unless anybody has anything else heidi anything else for us before we go she says no I so uh, has a festive safe fourth of july celebration absolutely 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 so mark and john thanks again as always for uh your wisdom and your input and uh this is keith Ely for the three wise truck guys we're out of here. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.